0: Welcome back to another edition of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP number 111 one, one, one. I know for the you, you astrology people out there, that means something. To me, I have no idea, but I do know that I'm Dorian. And on today's podcast, we ride the peagle with the Texas Rangers City Connect uniform. Visit the Island of Misfit Toys at Dodger Stadium. And special guest Tim Boyle, site expert for Rising Apple, talks about the New York Mets and true crime. But first, your host here is going to talk to you about some beer. And I'm going to have a drink before I tell you what it is. No, I'm, I'm not going to be rude. I'm going to tell you what I'm having. It's called Freak Sour Series. And that's a PH, not an F. Freak Sour Series. It's a fruit sour ale from a local American brewery, as you always know. It's called Mustang Sally Brewing Company in Chantilly, Virginia. And now, I'm going to have a drink. This freak series, this freak sour series, it has tangerine, guava, and sea salt. I know I shared this a few months ago, but now I'm all about sour beers, which before I hated. hates the wrong hates the wrong word. I didn't like, but as long as it has some hint of fruit, it balances out that sour, and I'm becoming a big fan of sour beers in general. So check out Mustang Sally Brewing Company, and it's that. I don't know what they're named after, but I know it's that famous song by a artist from Alabama and then he became famous in Detroit, Wilson Pickett. I have nothing to tell you about Wilson Pickett except he sang that song, Mustang Sally. But I'm going to tell you that if you want, you can follow us on social media. We have an Instagram account. We have a Twitter account. What is it? Instagram is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Twitter, HBP4040. If you don't want to follow us, then don't. Just keep listening. I want to talk to you about. The Texas Rangers City Connect uniform. It just came out yesterday. Well, they wore it yesterday. It came out a few days ago. Who wants to talk about the Texas Rangers? I do. I've been looking forward to seeing what this Texas Rangers team is going to look like. With Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Jacob DeGrom, uh, Nolan Aaron, uh, Nolan Aranalo. Not Norlin. Nathan Ivaldi. Why the heck am I talking about Aranalo? He plays for the uh, the Cardinals. Anyways, the Rangers. First place in the American League West division. 12 wins, 7 losses, their run differential, plus 42, the second best in the American League. And here I am thinking, how in the world is the Major League Baseball office in New York and the Nike office in New York and somewhere in Oregon going to mess up Texas's uniform? Because you know I'm not a big fan of most of these City Connect uniforms that have been coming out. The first thing I thought of was this old commercial. I think it's from the 90s. It's from the salsa company pace pace and it was a commercial you could look this up on youtube the pace thick and chunky salsa and the tagline is they run out of like homemade salsa from san antonio and some other cowboy this is like the cowboy times like in the 19th century And some other cowboy comes in with like another salsa and he goes oh but this one's made in new york city and all the cowboys say New York City, and then they threatened to brand the dude that brought some salsa from New York City. (laughs) Anyways, I like what the Texas Rangers have done with the City Connect uniform, because they actually connected with the city, which a few weeks ago, the Atlanta Braves did not connect with the city of Atlanta. They connected with their history, which is Henry Aaron. But Henry Aaron is not a city. He's not a state. He's not a town. Henry Aaron is a fantastic man who's you know, gone to the great beyond. And the Rangers are saying that they have a challenge because they, don't, they can't just connect to one city. Even though they play in Arlington, Texas, they're equidistant between Dallas and Fort Worth. So in reality, the Rangers are like, we have to connect with Arlington, Texas, Dallas, Texas, and Fort Worth, Texas. And the first thing that stands out in this uniform, which I actually think I actually like, it's something called a peagle. You mean a liger? Not a liger. A peagle, and apparently the peagle first off is some mythical creature, which I don't really think it's mythical. It's just a made up creature The mythical is not the same thing because no one's ever seen or written about a peagle. The peagle is on the right sleeve of the jersey, and the peagle is a combination that blends a panther and an eagle because the Rangers are honoring two minor league teams that were playing in the Dallas Arlington Fort Worth area before the Rangers even were conceived arrived which were the Dallas Eagles and the Fort Worth Panthers. And then Travis Dillon, who's the Rangers senior vice president, said, quote, we wanted to celebrate and educate the fan base. It's about how and why we got here, where we are today, end quote. I like that. They're, they're celebrating history and the actual freaking cities <laughs> that they play in or play close to. So the Rangers obviously have the Texas they have a, a, a block T on their hats, which obviously represents the Lone Star State, because they have to represent, again, those three cities. It's not just Dallas or Arlington or Fort Worth. And they have a, they also have a the TX, obviously representing Texas, is like Gothic typograph. And there's a spur through it, which is kind of weird, because you think of the NBA San Antonio spur, but whatever. Everyone thinks of spur, Cowboys, Texas, Oklahoma, whatever. Again, the Dallas Eagles, the former minor league team, they had a spur as their logo, And they also have the numbers 4-21, which is on the right side of the hat and on the inside of the jersey. What the heck is 421? When you think about 421, you start thinking about degenerates who love celebrating 420 and doing exactly what you do when you celebrate 420. I don't celebrate 420 that way, but a lot of people do, and that's up to you. Apparently, 421 is National Sobriety Day, which cheers if you're coming off of uh, addiction. I don't know. Thank you. I don't know. The point is, I had no idea what the heck 421 is, but the Texas Rangers are educating us because 421 is San Jacinto Day, which is the anniversary of the final battle of the Texas Revolution when Texas won its independence from Mexico. 421 is also the day of the Rangers' first game on April 21st, 1972. And April 21st is the day that the Rangers wore the Sydney Connect jersey against the Oakland Athletics just yesterday on Friday. The Rangers did a good job of connecting to their home area. I don't want to say city, since, again, I keep saying that they have to connect to three different cities. Scott Biggers, who's the Rangers creative director, said, quote, The story of Arlington is uniquely a baseball story. The cities are connected in Arlington, end quote. The Rangers have debuted the City Connect jersey against the Athletics at home, which they lost to the Athletics is like how do you lose to the Athletics? I mean that team is the Oakland Athletics. If they're lucky, they're going to win 60 games. But again, they have to they have to win against somebody. So, you know, the Rangers messed up. They lost at home against the Athletics. No big deal. The Rangers are in first place. You should look up the Rangers City Connect uniform. Aesthetically, I'm like I'm going to have to keep looking at it. I'm going to have to keep looking at it online. I'm going to have to watch some of their games when they play. And by the way, they're going to the Rangers are going to wear their City Connect uniform. Every home game, every Friday home game for the rest of the season. But I genuinely like that they made a, an effort to connect to their area. When you when you look at the Texas Ranger City Connect uniform, it looks a little busy. There's a lot going on. But like I said, I went over some of the things that they're that they want to represent, connecting with the Texas Independents, connecting with two former minor league teams. Can, they also have like a? A quote on on somewhere on the jersey that 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 that's lifted from a former mayor who is a who was a driving force in bringing Major League Baseball to the Arlington area. And so they really went all out and tried to connecting with their town. Unlike the Atlanta Braves. Big thumbs down to Atlanta Braves City Connect jersey. But we're not talking about the Braves. We're talking about the Rangers. How in the world are the Rangers? What we're three weeks into the season? How are they already in first place? The Rangers are putting up an insane amount of runs. No joke. Every time I look at the box score or I'll see some highlights from the Rangers or even watch a Rangers game. Every other game. No joke. They're, they're putting up 11 runs, 8 runs, 12 runs, multiple times throughout the first three weeks of the season. It's pretty impressive. And some people may say, well, it's been kind of a weak schedule. Again, everyone's going to play everyone this year. Who cares? They played the Houston Astros last week. the The defending World Series champions, Houston Astros, the American League West rivals, Houston Astros. They played them three times last week, and the Rangers put up 23 runs in three games, and the Rangers won two of those three two of those three games in that series. The Rangers might be for real. I was excited to to see what the Rangers are going to do in 2023 because they had Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager. Jacob DeGrom, and of course, Jacob DeGrom already has some injury issues. He has a sore right wrist, but he's still scheduled to pitch against the Oth- Oakland Athletics on Sunday, April 23rd, at home. Who wants to put some money that DeGrom is going to have to leave the game on Sunday against the Athletics because of tightness in the neck, an ingrown toenail, sunburn on the nose? I'm joking. I don't want any of that stuff to happen to Jacob DeGrom. I'm a baseball fan. I love the way J- Jacob Degrom pitches. I want him to pitch thirty times this year, and probably get the Rangers into the playoffs. We'll see what happens, and I'm going to in- and I'm going to enjoy watching that City Connect uniform on the Rangers, especially if they make it to the playoffs. And we talked about Texas Independence in the 19th century. There's also someone else who was founded in the 19th century who's helping out this podcast. This week's show sponsor. American Savings. There have been many changes in California since American Savings was founded in 1885. At Yosemite Park, not all of them have been for the better. To celebrate our almost 145 years in California, all of us at American Savings are committed to restore this great park to its original state. After all, we've been investing in California land for over 100 years, and this American investment just may be the most rewarding of all cheers to American savings cheers to national park rangers. Have you taken a vacation to any of the national parks in the U S it's beautiful. You can, and just like sports, just like if you want to, if you want to get season tickets to your favorite baseball team, you can actually get a season park pass. You can actually buy a U.S. park pass, which is the pass that you can go to all the, the American national parks. I think it's like $80. Just go online. And some of these national parks are stunning. To be fair, I have not yet made it out to Yosemite. But with the help of American savings and some beer and maybe to go go in and see some San Francisco Giants game, I'll make it this year. I don't know. And staying in California, south of San Francisco, I want to bring back a segment I always enjoy. The Houdini Watch. There's that guy. By the way, I'm nominating. There's that guy. People, players that you forgot about. They're like, oh, they're still playing. I want to nominate the entire Chicago Cubs L.A. Dodgers series. <laughs> last week, this, I called it the Island of Misfit Toys series because I saw that Noah Syndergaard pitched for the Dodgers. I'm like, where, where have I been? Have I been living under a rock that I didn't realize that Noah Syndergaard signed with the Dodgers? Because last year, Syndergaard played with the L.A. Angels. And of course, Syndergaard is more known for a, a, a couple of good years at the New York Mets. Syndergaard pitched for the Dodgers back on the 14th of April against the Chicago Cubs at home at Dodger Stadium. I looked at the lineup. I was seeing everyone that was going up to bat, people playing in the field. You had Ian Happ playing for the Chicago Cubs. Jan Gomez playing for the Chicago Cubs. Cody Bellinger, which I already knew. He, he left the Dodgers to go to the Cubs. Eric Hosmer, he was with the who was it? the, the San Diego Padres last year, playing for the Chicago Cubs. J.D. Martinez, formerly with the Boston Red Sox, now with the L.A. Dodgers. And then the funny thing is that they played three games last week in L.A. Right now, this weekend, they're playing a four-game series in Chicago. This is almost like a playoff series. It's like, don't these teams get sick of each other playing each other seven times in like 12 12 days? I don't know if any of these teams, well, no. I know that the Chicago Cubs are not going to go to the playoffs. The Chicago Cubs are in third place in the National League Central right now. The Dodgers are in second place in the National League West right now. I'm surprised about the Dodgers. I don't. I'm not calling this a a rebuilding year for the Dodgers, but it's almost as if they've hit pause because the Dodgers normally wouldn't sign a player like JD Martinez, who's on the he's on the back. He's he's a productive player, but he's on the back end of his career. Noah Syndergaard. Uh, probably in the back end of his career as well. And then you have to have emergency having Mookie Betts play shortstop for you. You're having, you sign Jason Hayward. Speaking of Island of Misfit Toys, I was like, why are the Dodgers? I understand you want Jason Hayward. He still has a really good glove, but the man cannot hit. This is the Dodgers. The Dodgers are expecting to go every single year deep into the playoffs and potentially the World Series. And no one, not even the most diehard Dodgers fan is yelling out, give me more Chris Taylor. I want Chris Taylor up to bat every single inning. No, you don't. You don't want Chris Taylor up there batting. And I'm looking at the huge holes across their lineup. J.D. Martinez, Jason Hayward, Chris Taylor. I'm like, who are these L.A. Dodgers? I'm going to get into L.A. Dodgers in a future episode, but I'm, I'm, as a baseball fan, I'm disappointed that the Dodgers haven't really signed anyone. I'm going to have a drink. Going back to this delicious beer that I have in my hand, the Freaky Sour Series. What else? You know what else is freaky? Talking about things like true crime, crimes of passion, crimes of hate. What about base running errors? We can talk about all sorts of crimes with our next guest. This week, our special guest is Tim Boyle, site expert for Rising Apple. Tim, welcome to Hipster Baseball Podcast. Thanks for having me, Dory, and I'm excited. I'm going to ask you a question that you normally don't hear on a baseball podcast. What stops your urge to kill?
1: <laughs> what stops my urge to kill? You know, um, I was I was actually standing above a uh, above a potential victim the other day, just thinking what's what's stopping me from just ending it. And then a police siren went by, and it was just a little refresher as to what, why I don't kill um i mean there's laws um th- there's a lot of reasons not to kill i that that is a very strange question to ask on a baseball podcast
0: well now i know that i won't be seeing you on a true crime documentary because not only does tim follow the new york mets and he writes on, and he's a, he writes at like i had mentioned over at rising apple you also write for another web another website practically trouble where you review crime documentaries murders etc and so that's why i asked you what stops your urge to kill because that's how they always promote those documentaries uh, what, yes how in the world uh, we're gonna get to the baseball in, in in a minute but when you watch these documentaries and again we, you can you can read uh tim's reviews on practic- practicallytrouble.com do you watch these cr- true crime reviews at night before bedtime like like uh some kind of freak because I would be freaked out or Uh, do you watch them in the daytime?
1: I actually, I've, I've mastered the art of multitasking and I've gotten so, I I mean, this sounds very forth but I've gotten like so efficient at my day job, which is very monotonous that I'm able to watch a true crime documentary and really absorb it while I'm doing my job at a pretty efficient rate. So that's all happening during the day. I'm multitasking. I'm kind of glancing back and forth between my actual job trying to watch a documentary, sometimes I have to pause and then it comes up with kind of goofy moments, you know, when you're paused and moving, there's just a kind of a weird face and a subtitle that doesn't really fit all that. I, I wish I, I like I have this idea in my head that I, if I could figure out how to even get a screenshot from my phone of just like out of context, true crime. There was one the other day that was um, the guy was talking about uh, a, an arm dangling. But of course, I randomly pause it and it just has a guy with a goofy face and it says it was just dangling there, which just out of no context, it's kind of funny. But yes, to answer your question in the short way, I I watch them mostly during the day. And oddly, it does kind of desensitize you to a lot of um, things the same way how I used to watch Jeopardy when I was a teenager and I felt like it made me much smarter. Watching a lot of true crime stuff kind of makes me a little... Um, I don't know. I just just a little desensitized to things. Not that I don't still have emotions and stuff, but I'm not bothered by uh, grim things nearly as much as I probably should be.
0: And so as you said you, you multitask. Do you are you do you have a multiple setup for TVs and screen where you're watching a documentary on some poor 13 year old girl being murdered in Wyoming and the New York Mets either coming back to win a game or blowing a ninth inning lead?
1: Um. Usually, I kind of go between one. I'll either focus on baseball or True con. I can't really. I I, I can do t- two things at once. It's the I, same
0: anger, though. It's the same anger. Like, get, don't yes. go in the closet. And then the New York Mets is like, where? Why don't we have Edwin Diaz? Yes, exactly.
1: Don't don't go to Adavino now. No, no, save him. Save him for another inning. It's the same exact premise. Uh, it, the the two worlds don't really blend. So that's why I was really interested when you originally reached out to me about this. Like, I, I've never really talked about. Like uh, the tra- topic of true crime with a deep, before. dark
0: secret that you have.
1: Yes. Yes. V- very. I try to make public, but nobody really responds to. Um, whereas, whereas, you know, it, there's, there's so many people that admittedly talk about the Mets and how angry it makes them, but true crime is kind of its whole nother genre, a whole nother world. And they don't really intermingle. I don't come across too many fans of both.
0: If there was a good fan of the New York Mets who was an actual murder and pot- murderer and potential document document focused, documentary focused, it would be in the future because that person is currently probably sitting in City Field or right now they're playing the Dodgers. So they're good enough that they're not caught yet. And true. that would be the ultimate convergence for someone like you to write about the New York Mets and true crime.
1: That would be. I would have to go back. All the signs were there. You know, he would... The interview is just just came off so nice. I mean, after after today's game, um, it might be Max Scherzer. I don't know if you, I don't know if you were following. He got he got uh, ejected for using what he claims was rosin, and then um, so he's probably facing a suspension now. Uh, so he he might be on the uh, warpath right now. There might be a an umpire getting buried in a couple of hours.
0: Let me ask you, what is going on with the city of New York and pitchers? Because you talk about Max Scherzer. You have Justin Verlander injured, Jose Quintana injured, as I mentioned earlier, Edwin Diaz injured, Carlos Rondon injured, Luis Severino injured, Jonathan Loisiega injured. Admittedly, half of that list is from the Yankees, but it's all from New York. What's going on? Why can't any any team in New York keep their pitchers healthy?
1: New York pitchers are just big wimps. That's that's all. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, even Jacob Brugram, he left his, he had a, a four four innings and no hit baseball. So it's kind of gone. Followed him to Texas. Yeah. Um, you know, it, the, the, this. Uh, the, I, I guess they're related to true crime. These these injuries are uh, Henry Lee Lucas. They're just tra- traveling all over the country, following everyone. Um, it's a uh, son of Sam. Uh, he, he's out in New York uh, taking out all the pictures, but no. I, I th- you know, I, I think it's starting to be with at least the Mets, the older pitchers. I mean, the Diaz injury, that was kind of a fluke. But the older pitchers are really trying to adjust to this uh, increase in the pace of the game. Uh, the pitch clock, I am a big fan of it. But the pitchers, they're, they're really working a lot harder to um, their endurance. It's, it's a brand new thing. So I think that's definitely contributing to some of the injuries. I'm um, not necessarily all of them. It does seem like there's a lot more injuries already this year with a lot of uh, different clubs. Um, but yeah, like you said, the New York pitching staffs—they're—they're they're really getting hit hard.
0: Going back to again to Edwin Diaz, when he was injured, for those of you who don't know, he was injured celebrating during the World Baseball Classic last month. What what were your thoughts on the World Baseball Classic? Classic, were you like, we don't need this ex- exhibit? Extraction, uh, this exhibition extraction, or this is amazing that they're playing real consequential baseball in spring.
1: I don't think it's consequential at all. I'm not. I'm not a fan. It's. It, it, I think it's pe- for people of a certain age. They might really like it, or maybe if they come from um, the, the. It's more of an international thing. But um as somebody who just lives in New Jersey, I don't really buy into it it doesn't get me excited at all um i didn't grow up watching it i'm i'm too old for that so it it, it was kind of made me a little bit angry that there was there's was a couple guys that got hurt during it um yeah but aside from diaz uh it, for him to get hurt celebrating i think that was the most frustrating part of it because it's such an it seems like such an avoidable thing and it wasn't like they just won the championship, and it was such an ob. They just got out of hand. He was just hopping up and down, and it was just something very fluke. Um, people say that it could have happened in a spring training game, sure, but you you can get hurt in a lot of different ways. Um, so yeah, I'm not a fan of the World Baseball Classic, and this definitely isn't going to turn me around on it at all.
0: Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, Edward Diaz could have gotten injured shacking a fly ball or walking his dog for God's sakes and tripping over and getting I don't know getting his uh. leg cut. But so far we're about three weeks about three weeks into this season. What have you seen about the New York Mets that have surprised you and what are the things that you're like, I hope this trend doesn't continue throughout the year because the everyone's talking about the Tampa Bay Rays, how they went off that they, they got off on that hot 13 and they their whole 13 consecutive wins. But equally right behind them, the Atlanta Braves are probably even hotter and so the Mets are already in second place. Again, let, let, let talk to us about uh, where the New York Mets are now, according to you.
1: I suppose surprise. I don't think too much has been a surprise. Um, Tyler McGill—he's really stepped up. Uh, he's been their best pitcher so far. But again, that's not really much of a surprise from what we've seen from him. Uh, we're coming up on the anniversary of him starting the no hitter uh, last year. The one thing that I guess is a bit of a surprise is that how over the top they've been at. Not really hitting much, but they're still getting on base and they're scoring runs um, pretty efficiently. I know they've been shut out three times already, but still, um, last time I checked, they were uh, in about the top 15, 10 to 15th in run score this year, which isn't that bad for a team with one of the lower batting averages so far. But they draw a ton of walks. They have multiple players with OBPs over 350. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach can't do much other than walk. Um, certainly can not run if you've seen him, but nothing really has been much of a surprise there. um, Tommy Pham has been better than expected. I think a lot of people expected him to be, but I think the part-time role of mostly starting against lefties uh, is what's key. Um, I know Marte left today's game kind of out of nowhere. So that, that is a little bit of a concern. He hasn't gotten off to a great start either, but again, he's they been okay. I guess one surprise, actually, though, is that um, I don't know if they actually still are, but they were leading the league in stolen bases for a while, and they haven't had a guy steal over 30 bases in well over 10 years. I think it was Eric Young Jr. in whew, no what I don't, 2012, 2013. It was the last guy to even steal 30 bases, and Marte is already almost at double digits already.
0: So if he's healthy, he might swipe 50. That's the fun part that I'm re- I re- I'm really enjoying so far in the 2023 season. How many stolen bases there are. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, a lot of times when I see these stolen bases, I think the majority of them, I don't want to say 90%, but maybe just over 50%, they're uncontested. It's like some of, some of, the, some of the catchers don't even try. They're like, nope, forget about it. We're not even going to do that. It's almost as if the offense is, if you manage to get on first base, whether it's a hit, a walk, what have you, you can almost automatically make that a double. It's exciting. I love that part. Again, the whole point of having these rule changes is have action. But at the same time, if it's not contested, it's almost like, well, of course, player X is going to steal to the second and they're probably going to mm. be safe.
1: Yeah. And the trouble is there's the, the you can over, only throw over um, two times and then you kind of kind of get a free. That's, that seems like a ridiculous rule. I think they'll probably end up adjusting that um so yeah it, it speeds coming back to the game which is kind of exciting and um i don't know if you saw in the atlantic league the independent league they're testing out the uh, designated runner rule so that could be coming to the
0: mlb soon designate no i haven't heard of that. yeah the, it's something
1: I, I don't know exactly what it is but i guess it's um you can use a guy that can kind of just come in and pinch run but he's i don't know exactly how the rule would go i don't know if he can He pinch runs, then he just goes back to the bench, and you can use him maybe once per inning or something like that. So that's just something they're experimenting in the independent leagues. I don't know how players would feel because couldn't you just hire like a Olympic runner to be on your roster just to be a pinch runner? Is that because there there was a guy in the '70s in the Cowboys? I think he was like a, a sprinter, and he was a wide receiver. He couldn't catch, but the few times you could get him the ball, yeah, he'd score a touchdown.
0: And you took the words right out of my mouth. I was thinking there are so many NCAA track and field champions right now. Uh, We're about to get uh, (laughs) uh, one of those like, you know, minimum figure, minimum salary uh, contracts with teams. That would be that would be interesting. And at the same time, it would save some injuries with people. You know, whenever I watch baseball with someone who's not that into baseball, they're like, why in the world are they wearing oven mitts? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It's like that would save some injuries as well. But at the same time, it would make baseball even more unathletic, the perception yeah. that it already is because it's like, well, I only have to go up to hit. And then you have like someone like a designated hitter. They don't even have to play with a glove. <laughs> they just need to mm. hit. forget about going to rounding the bases.
1: Well, that, that was why they invented basketball. If you remember, it was for guys who had bad knees. they couldn't run, but they can shoot a bath, shoot a basketball pretty well.
0: Stepping back a little bit further from the current season, the current New York Mets team as a baseball fan, I, I, genuinely cheered when Uncle Steve, Steve Cohen, bought the New York Mets about, what, through two and a half years ago now, I think?
1: Yeah, it was about that.
0: And understanding that he was going to bring different processes, more professionalism, and he was going to treat the New York Mets as a big market team, which it wasn't in the, under the previous regime. I think you had written an article, I think uh, in the fall of last year, about contrasting the former general manager, the guy who now works for a rock rock nation, uh, Bobby oh, Brody Van Brody Van Wagenen. a fun
1: name to say, isn't that?
0: Yes. And how that, how that regime would bring about young players because the current New York Mets team, it's the highest payroll in history, but they're not a lot of young players. And it's almost as if they're being held back. And I don't see this 2023 New York Mets roster any better than the last, last years when they won 101 games, which is amazing. But I'm, I'm almost like, why are they spending so much money just to stay the same as it were last year when they have a crop of players that could help them this year for much cheaper
1: yeah it is interesting they they all the changes they made from uh last year into this year was kind of um going lateral they replaced yeah, like the Rom with a forward yes that they, bringing back nimo um bringing back diaz uh quintana kind of replaced bassett walker and singel was the other way around so It was almost like they were spending a lot of money to keep the roster the way it was. Um, They went very cheap in the DH spot, which is something that a lot of people have a problem with. The bullpen, they made a huge deal all offseason about having optional relievers. They wanted guys that they could shuttle back and forth between the minors. Then Diaz gets hurt, and then all of a sudden they have a bunch of guys that might not even belong in the majors in their bullpen. So that's another big question mark for them. It is interesting that they have such a big payroll and still so many roster holes that you can point at.
0: One of the pitchers that may be on that shuttle, uh, that from a quad a player, I don't know who knows, David Peterson, the left-hander. He's had a couple of starts. He started, I think on Monday or Tuesday or was it Monday or Tuesday?
1: Was uh, Monday, against, yes. the Do- against
0: the LA Dodgers. Yep. Tell me about David Peterson.
1: David Peterson. um, He's very up and down he, he he's much less of a of a jerk than uh, M- Michael Peterson who I who I mentioned to you but he he's the ultimate jerk of true crime. I'm sorry I don't know I don't know if you're familiar with him from the staircase he is just so smug we'll, and, we'll get
0: we'll get to Michael okay,
1: okay but let's
0: talk about David first David, his David. unrelated nephew
1: yeah yeah unrelated nephew D- David Peter's interesting it seems like whenever the pressures on him. He thrives. He was really good in 2020, uh, the shortened season. I think he might have led the team in uh, wins that year. Not that that really matters. The rest of the pitching staff was a mess. That was the Rick Borsello and Michael Walker year. Everyone forgets about it. Then in 2021, he had a spot in the rotation. He was pretty bad, and I think he ended up kicking a suitcase in the middle of the year. He broke his toe. He was out for the rest of the season. That's such a Mets injury. Last year, he doesn't get a rotation spot out of the spring. Ty and McGill gets a spot over, uh, to replace DeGrom and David Peterson spent the whole year going back and forth between the majors and the minors. And he was really effective. Um, him alongside Trevor Williams, they really helped, uh, the Mets get through the whole year through a lot of injuries. Then this year he actually won, uh, the first rotation spot that opened up and he hasn't been very good. Um, I think it was his first start he kind of was the tough luck uh loser in that that was the second game of the year when the Marlins beat them two to one he gave up a home run the Mets offense didn't show up uh so yeah he he hasn't been that great uh he did get the win on Monday but again he didn't pitch that well so he's definitely someone that maybe uh, a Joey Lou Casey could replace soon uh they just put Carlos grasco on the IL so they kind of need him but they should also have a thought of maybe trying out someone else if this continues.
0: Let me throw you a curveball talking about pitchers and some of the pitching needs for the New York Mets. Everyone is expecting the LA Dodgers to go after Shohei Otani in the offseason. he comes a free agent or restricted free agent, whatever. The point is he's going to be free to to get away from the, the LA, the LA Angels. Do you think Uncle Uncle Steve is going to give everyone in in the in in Queens an early Christmas gift by placing Shohei Otani under everyone's Christmas or uh, Hanukkah candles in December, or, or their Kwanzaa. Uh, I don't know. Or, or their Kwanzaa. Yeah, or, or, oh, this is an inclusive podcast because yeah, you're talking yeah. about, about what what makes you want to murder and why you don't murder. <laughs>
1: um, you know, when I saw what the Dodgers did this off season, which was not very much at all, they let a lot. They let Trey Turner leave. Uh, they let a couple other guys leave. Um, they have Julio Urias. They have to worry about their young yeah. stud, twenty-seven year old. That guy is gonna. He it took him a while, but he looks yeah. really good. I, I think he's going to end up with the Dodgers. I really don't think he's going to go to the Mets, which really opens up an interesting scenario because after Otani, the next best free agent um, isn't very good. Maybe if it's Aaron Nola, Matt Chapman, there really aren't that many great options. So I think. If they don't get Otani, the best option really is to trade for one of the guys like a Shane Bieber or a Corbin Corbin Burns and extend them. I don't see it. It's really getting difficult to see how they could even fit Otani onto the club because they're going to need the six-man rotation, which is an extra pitcher. With the DH spot, I don't think they have much faith in Francisco Alvarez being the starting catcher. They just drafted Kevin Parada last year in the first round. So I I think they have an idea of having Alvarez be a DH slash catcher in the future. And Parada is going to be the catcher of the future. So they've held on to a lot of prospects for a while. I think eventually what they're going to do is they're going to unload a couple of them, get a big name pitcher, maybe a hitter. Then there's the other guy that they could wait another offseason for, and that's Juan Soto. But he's been really awful with the Padres, so I'm not even so sure about him anymore. That's the trouble. You can't wait for the free agents. We all had this idea that the Mets would get Mookie Betts, but then as soon as he was traded to the Dodgers, they extended him. So that's the way teams are operating. Um, If there's someone they want, they got to go out and get him immediately. But I I just don't see Otani coming to the Mets anymore. I think it's going to be the Dodgers.
0: To be fair. If you have a chance at Shohei Otani, you make room for him on the roster. You, you can't just be like, oh, well, we, you, you don't fit into our plan, Shohei. We make our plans around uh, a generational talent like you're right, you're right. That's a good point. Going back to the Peterson family that's not related, you also wanted to talk about someone else in true crime. We're we're, we're pivoting. We're using the Peterson name as to pivot <laughs> to an awful person by the name of Michael Peterson. Tell us about him what he allegedly did and why you don't like him
1: well he allegedly well there's a couple of theories about this um i don't even know where to start with this i i I once recorded a video trying to discuss this and it took me 25 minutes just to kind of get like the iceberg of it but basically his wife was found dead at the bottom of a staircase and he either killed her or she was killed by somebody else or she slipped and fell or my favorite theory: an owl came in and attacked her. And then, but the big twist is, it's either this, either he's the unluckiest guy, or he has a modus operandi that nobody else has because years earlier, a fam- a female family friend of his was also found dead at the bottom of a staircase.
0: So it's that like I didn't know. I I read about him before we started talking. I didn't know about the the previous. Yeah, when he
1: when he lived in Germany, there was a family friend that he was maybe even. I think I don't know if there was something he was maybe having an affair with her, but he ended up adopting her. her I don't know if it was just daughters or uh, sons and daughters, but he ended up adopting uh, her children. So they're the one. They're they're kind of a, a mixed family Um after that. But yeah, it it seems way too coincidental for two people close in your life yeah. to be found dead at the bottom of a staircase so the well, exact same if, way yeah so um
0: so you're not going to be part of that online army saying like uh free my boy jesse free my boy mikey free my boy michael you're, no, you're, you're no, not you're no, not no. protesting outside the jailhouse no. saying to, to free michael peterson
1: no well he actually is free I don't know. If you're, oh, that's right. Was,
0: yeah. He, he, he went for, he got off for a uh, time served or something like that. Yeah.
1: He took the Alfred play, which, which I don't know if you're familiar with the West Memphis three. They also took the Alfred play. Um,
0: go yeah, ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. I was
1: going to say, I actually wrote a blog post trying to compare him to um, the main kid from the West Memphis three Damien Eccles, because they, they, have, both are very smug people who I think their attitude is what put them behind bars in the first place.
0: Here's another question you don't normally hear in a baseball podcast. Okay. Why is it that teenage boys are more likely to engage in satanic rituals than anybody else in the population? You were a teenage boy at one point. This is true. Yes. But <laughs> yes. I also didn't engage in satanic rituals.
1: I don't know. Do, do teenage boys even I, – I feel like they're just so they into don't like, They anything.
0: don't believe anything. Yeah, they don't – or maybe Satan like, is no longer popular because of video games and and social yeah, media. And TikTok,
1: everything. yeah. I mean, I mean, you really have to get into a satanic ritual with kids and their short attention spans. Now, who's going to remember all all those verses in Latin anymore? You you have to be committed. You have to go out at night, and that's scary for kids <laughs> these days. In real
0: life, not invert, not not putting on no. some Oculus. Yes. think of going by the way people we're not just randomly talking about say, chan- satanic rituals this is what the Mem- the west memphis three as you had mentioned earlier were accused of doing and and killing a young uh young boy right or yeah,
1: three uh, three young boys
0: three young boys yeah so yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and and, so, and, that, that, and that's a case that, that has so many twists and turns um in it that that is and even even more options than uh the michael peterson
0: case i blame not only uh Maybe Satan, but these young, crazy boys in the early 90s, what they should have been doing instead of going out into the woods in 1992, whenever this murder happened, at night, they should have been at home watching TBS and America's team, the Atlanta Braves, like I was. And therefore, that kept me out of Satan's embrace. If they had been baseball fans, they never would have killed anybody. Well, That's my the, theory.
1: That, well, well, here's the problem, though. The Braves were very good, but then after they lost in the playoffs all those times in the early 90s, what are you going to do?
0: No, I, t- no, I'm a Braves fan. To be fair, it was in the 90s when they went to all the World Series. It, it, the, the playoff disappointment started happening. They, they, would, they would lose in, in the World Series. It wasn't until the turn of the century when they started losing to like the Houston Astros, the Chicago Cubs, and the divisional rounds, which was super frustrating. But in the 90s, that was that was five World Series. So you were going deep into October.
1: Yeah, but but I mean, in November, what are you going to do after you lose to the Blue Jays and the Twins in the early nineties? And, and, the, and the the Ph- you don't even make it in '93. The Phillies beat you. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that
0: was that was a tough one. But uh, yeah. I, I know that I was not uh, worshipping Satan and killing three boy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely like these, not. And you know, and I saw the picture of the West of the, some of the West Memphis Three. I don't know if you know the podcaster Theo Vaughn. I got a lot of Theo Vaughn mullet haircuts. from from one of the kids i was like oh man yeah he he looked guilty that haircut tells me guilty
1: that that was a weird like trend going on all throughout the 90s i think we associate that with oh it's back
0: it's the mullet is back in a big way
1: yes yes I, i actually earlier today i was watching um a documentary about um columbine and even then just seeing like the kid's hair, it's kind of like, wow, that's how, when did this end? It's like, I, I was kind of too young to like get into that at that point. But I, I i don't know. I just didn't notice back then how weird people were.
0: Imagine what people are going to say in 15 years time or 30 years time in 2040, in 2045 about the weirdos yes. and, and their crazes of podcasts and blogs in the early part of the 20th, 21st century. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> I, like, I,
0: they are so old. but not only are we trying to save people from getting inadvertently murdered or being yeah being on a documentary and being reviewed by you which is a good thing no it's not a good thing to die but it's a good thing that you do you you watch these these documentaries on true crime and review them again pivoting from pivoting back from murder to baseball i want to take you away from your job of watching documentaries watching the new york mets and anoint you as the new major league major league baseball commissioner what are one or two things that you're implementing as the new MLB commissioner
1: as a new MLB commissioner um you know i I'd really have to set some goals first the th- things that I think that are wrong with the game to improve it um you know i i I know this isn't gonna be popular, but I really think the salaries are way out of control. There has to be something done, whether it's a salary cap to kind of try to make it fair for some teams because it just seems like. Some teams don't even try. Some teams don't even have a chance. So uh, along with a cap, though, I would have a salary floor. I think that's almost more important that teams actually do spend money. And, you know, sometimes they might just throw some money at a veteran for uh, no reason at all other than to get there. But it could turn out well for them. And a team like the Orioles last year kind of came out of nowhere. They traded guys away at the deadline, and they actually uh, won about 83, 85 games. And they were – the team right out of there. So I would definitely do something with the finances. I wouldn't do anything else too crazy other than trying to make it more fan friendly in the way that players interact with the fans. Um, I remember when I was younger, you could walk right up to athletes, get their autograph, meet them. There was a a certain sense of um, camaraderie with the fans. And I kind of blame 9-11 for the way that changed a lot of it because that was around the time I was going to games so often, minor league, major league, and just the fear of crazies coming up to them. I think that's really – I understand it, but it, that, it kind of took me out of the game for a while. I wasn't as interested anymore. and It's also part of aging because the first time you see the date of birth of an athlete and it's younger than you, 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 you question your own – I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it, it feels weird the first time somebody younger than you excels at at a sport. Um, the, the only other thing I might change is just something simple like rosters. I, m- I might just allow because because there's no point in having five starting pitchers on your roster when four of them are definitely not going to play. Something minor like allowing one extra guy that can kind of be flexed in here and there, but that, that's not a very exciting answer. Uh, but that, that something like that I think would actually help save. Uh, teams from injuries and stupid stuff,
0: and young boys from getting into trouble as well. Yes. I do want to go back and say I am not a fan of the capping salaries because the question is, do we cap revenue to for the owners? As you had rightly pointed out, don't spend money. I'm thinking of the Cleveland Guardians. That mm-hmm. family that owns them the, the the they're the they're the cousins of the guy that owns the New York the New York Knicks um the what's it? the, Do- uh, the Dolan, the, the dolan family they're cousins they're billionaires they can yeah. afford i don't 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 give me that small market nonsense you can afford it the owner of the tampa bay rays new york mets fan by the way Stu. Oh. he's a billionaire don't don't cry and say well only ten thousand people show up i can't afford it well then stop stop collecting all those checks that teams like the yankees the mets the dodgers the braves the large t- revenue teams then have to share with the pittsburgh pirates the cleveland guardians like I'm not a fan of that. If you want salary cap, we got a cap on the revenue that you can actually, you as in the owner, make. That's that's my suggestion as a potential special advisor to the new MLB commissioner. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think something needs to be done about it. But you know, I'll, I'll take your uh, experience and input uh, and anyone else who has something. But yeah, so, something it, it just doesn't it just doesn't seem very fun when some teams don't spend other teams spend a lot and others can't afford to spend more than others. and even Correct. like oh, the gap. Yeah, yeah.
0: But not even trying that that's the maddening part.
1: Yeah, yeah. When, when we already know, we already know 10 teams that have no shot at winning it this year already.
0: And other things that fuel when the things we can use with money is to watch us, to help us watch baseball, to help us write, to help us be creative. I'm a big fan of highlighting local places and, com- and comfort food, comfort drink. What's one or two places that you enjoy going to, to have a drink, a coffee, food, where you know that it's like, it's anything I I, I, I get is going to be good, good service, et cetera, in New York or New Jersey, where, in, where you normally live and work
1: that's a funny question because i don't really go out very much at all and i nor have i ever
0: so so um, it's shay tim shay tim at tim's house
1: yeah yeah Oh, but nobody else can come that's where that's just me that's just me
0: super exclusive yes it, all right let, let, let me rephrase that then what's maybe one thing that you like to eat when you go to city field to catch a game or two uh for the new york mets because whatever the way, has the
1: whatever has the shortest line
0: that's a good thing. <laughs> I, by the way, I think City field has the best food best baseball stadium food on the East Coast I, I by far
1: really what 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 about it? Uh...
0: you know, I first started going to City field I think about like seven or eight years ago and I just love the variety of it. and it really is a for me it's more of a representation of New York food. Mm -hmm. because of the variety then better than yankee stadium and to be fair yankee stadium has improved since they opened because i thought some of their food was just god awful it's like Mm -hmm. you this is located in new york you should be ashamed that you if you would close your eyes you're like oh i'm in ocala florida or i'm in Uh akron ohio no offense (laughs) to akron ocala but you know new york has Uh that threshold of like being impressed is much higher in new york and it felt like the new york yankees what is it? The, the catering service wasn't trying, but um, I think City Field, that's one of the good things that the old regime did. And I'm happy that Steve Cohen and the team that runs City Field are continuing expanding that because I I really when I go there, it's rave. It's, it's awesome. And I only continuously hear rave reviews uh, for people who go to City Field more often than I do.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a perspective of how many different ballparks you've been to. And uh, It sounds like you've been to a lot more uh, and a lot more places around the country than I
0: have. Yeah, no, just just the East Coast, just the East Coast. I definitely want to make it out to uh, other places as well. Tim, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to thank you for joining us. And I also want to give you a chance to let everyone know where they can read your true crime documentary reviews, thoughts on the New York Mets and anywhere else on social media that you want to share with us.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Edward. Um, You can read more about the New York Mets at RisingApple.com. Uh, you can probably spell that on your own. Uh, and you can read about my uh, true crime chaos. Any, any anything generally bad? The reviews are right there. That's at uh, PracticallyTrouble.com. Again, you can probably spell that on your own. Um, I I think my Twitter handle is BaseballBoil, even though I don't really tweet much about baseball anymore. <laughs> But, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's my Twitter handle. But, yeah, um, if you just Google my name and you just see a bunch of things about a quarterback, that is me. I am the backup quarterback of the New York Jets. That is also I.
0: Thanks to Tim Boyle for joining us this week. And I also want to thank some new listeners from Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Bayshore, New York, and internationally Osorio, Brazil. Asunción, Paraguay, Leiden, 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 Netherlands. Again, I don't speak Dutch. Vienna, Austria, Tena, Ecuador. And finally, Strasbourg, France. I love French food. I also love spending this hour or so with you. Thank you for listening. We'll get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Tips for Baseball Podcast. Bye.